Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. God has really good things in store for you today. I, I, uh, I want to tell you something that, that happened to me last night. I was asleep at about 1.30 a.m. I woke with, since it happens hardly ever, but I woke with night terrors, and they were purely demonic dreams, purely demonic. I mean, just as demonic as demonic can be. And, and when I woke up, I'm like, okay, why is the enemy trying to rob me of sleep? And I didn't wake up fearful or anything like that. I just, I just said, in Jesus' name, get out. You're not going to, devil, you're not going to rob me of sleep. You're not going to put all this stuff into my mind to make, to, to make my mind go in a different direction. I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to be preaching the word of God. And I'm going to sleep like a baby the rest of this night. And, and you know what? I did. I, did. I just, I just, I just like, okay, great. I, get, I got out of the bed, got right back in. I, I'm going to sleep, and that's it. I didn't wake up again until my alarm went off in the morning. And, and you know what? I, I had actually forgotten about that until just a few minutes ago. But the enemy, he's going to bring stuff at you. He's going to try to beat you down. But you do not have to give in to that. You do not have to give in to that because today is a day of victory. And I know, I got to tell you, I know there's at least one person in this place who expects victory today. And I know that's me. And if there's anybody else who wants a victory in this place, come on, give God praise right now. Give God praise right now. All right. Hey, I'm ready to dive in and have a good time. Why don't you turn to two or three people around you, give them high five fist bumps, no, no fists to the nose, and say hello. God bless you as you do so. Morning. Hope you guys are having a great Sunday. I know I am. Glad you could be here. Um, and thank you guys. I mean, that's amazing, all you all. Worship is is always great. We do, they do a great job, don't you think? Yes. All right, I'm glad I could come up here today and encourage you a little bit um, about about giving. And I, you know, things bounce around in my head, and and I was thinking, you know, what what can I talk about? And I was I was really thinking about how much do we give? And the Bible says 10% is the tithe, and that's the first 10%, and that's a, that's a really good place to start. That's a good goal to have. It's um, a good place. But I was thinking about what, not necessarily that, that amount, but what really, what really matters to God. And, and bear with me, I thought of Scrooge McDuck, all right? I, have you guys seen the 90s? Now they're redoing it, but uh, DuckTales, DuckTales, uh, Scrooge McDuck had a money building a bin money bin that he swam around in gold he had so much remember the the three nephews Huey Dewey and Louie or as one of my uh, youngest said today Dewey Huey Louie. he couldn't get the them in the right order I said it's Huey Dewey and Louie I think we should all like do our boys in different colors to keep their clothes separate but um, so if they came to him and said I want to put money in your money bin and one brought a nickel and one brought a dime and one brought a quarter right their kids would it really make a dent in his fortune in Scrooge McDuck's big money bin? He would see it as pretty much the same gift. And it got me thinking, God has infinite resources. 
infinite resources. So when we bring him our money, our tithe, our anything, it really doesn't make a dent. And so the amount when it comes to God maybe doesn't matter. Now, you know, if you're giving a dollar or if you're giving a billion dollars, now a billion dollars would make a huge difference here at City Life. So, um, you know, if you want to give that, that would, that's great. Um, but when somebody has infinite resources, what, what's really that matters? And it got me thinking, faith is really the currency that, that God wants, that God is, is thinking about. Because as you give, you stretch your faith. And how much you give monetarily is different for everybody because what God's really interested in is how much does it stretch your faith? You need to take a step of faith to give. And I'm not talking about uh, performance-based. Like the more I give, the more faith, the more blessings I'll receive. No, it's not performance-based. The mustard seed faith is all you need. God's pouring out your ble- blessings upon you. It doesn't, it's not performance-based, but he wants that step of faith. And when you live generously, you stretch your faith and you're able to see God move in your life. He's already moving. Your faith doesn't cause him to move. He's already moving. It allows you to see him move and see all the blessings that you have. Uh, so I encourage you to take that step of faith and, and give. And if you're giving regularly, I want to say thank you. You're making Jesus known through City Life. And I, I really appreciate, uh, I know I love that regular um, giving. It, it allows you, then opens up your mind to other possibilities and, and your heart to other, other forms of generosity. You've already got that set and you already know you're going to give a tithe. Or, uh, you set that amount. Um, and there are three ways to give. We're going to be passing baskets here in a minute with the ushers. That's the old school way. Uh, we have the giving station in the, in the foyer and I think you can also use the giving station to get some new t-shirts out there um, soon. The... Uh, the way that I like the most, though, is the app. We can do so much with our app now, uh, sign up for things, register for things, but giving is also one of them, and it's it's really nice to um, to be able to set it and not forget it, because you don't you want to you want to praise God every time you get that email, and you want to worship through your giving, but to just take that off your plate as something that you have to remember to do, and it's already done, and then when you get that email, you can say, "There you go, God, thank you." Um, so. Also, as we're preparing our guests, I want to th- I want to welcome you guests here today. If you're a guest, welcome to City Life. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Uh, we, there's a next card on the chair or, uh, in front of you, probably or a uh, magnet uh, clip there. And if you could fill that out, so we can have a record for you visit. And we have a little gift uh, for you in the for you. If you take it, uh, uh, there will be a nice smiling face, uh, somebody to say hi and connect with you, and we can figure out. Uh, your next steps and what, what you, where you can go from here. And so we appreciate it. Uh, as you're preparing your um, offerings, we've got a little video here, so take a look. ...for sex. And how does a person have a healthy sex life? Well, Jesus addressed this in his Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to be giving a three-part series entitled, What Jesus Says About Sex. And in this series, we're going to discover why God created us as sexual beings and where the boundaries lie and and what are the reasons for those boundaries and how can we be forgiven from sexual sin and, and what barriers can we put in place to prevent sexual sin. And it all starts with what Jesus had to say about sex. I want you to join me for Tim at 12 for this power-packed, action-packed 
mini-series on sex. God bless. Awesome. That's going to be a good one. Very interesting topic for sure. Um, want to remind you uh, tonight, 6 p.m., we have uh, our monthly prayer meeting here at the church. Uh, it's, it's really a great time, an intimate time with God to, to just really focus in and hear what he has to say to you, to pray over each other, to pray over the city, to pray over um, together, to pray over our community. And one of the major things that will definitely be on the, on the, uh, the list tonight to pray about is Faith Fest. We, it's so close, guys. Less than two weeks away, two weeks from yesterday, August 14th. Uh, so it's going to be open street, family-oriented uh, Christian concert. So it's, it's going to be amazing. We're going to have a lot of fun. The thing we need is volunteers. Uh, so this is an all-hands-on-deck kind of thing. If you can just smile and say hello, we need you. Uh, if you can hand out a bottle of water, we need you. So hopefully that qualifies everybody. There will be things that we're doing in here if you need to take a break in the air condition. The more people that help, the less one person has to run around with their hair on fire uh, doing stuff. Uh, so definitely. And there's also uh, sponsors, um, ship available. So if you know somebody or you want to sponsor, any amount is, is good to help us with the cost of the festival. Uh, go to the app and fill out a volunteer form or a sponsorship form. Um, and also, one more thing, we've got tons of flyers. So in the uh, near the giving station out there, in the take some flyers, hand them out. I know I went through work and like posted them all the all the bulletin boards of the community events. Uh, we had our kids walk through our neighborhood and canvas and hand them out. Uh, so it, it just we don't want any left. Take them, pass them out uh, at work around your neighborhood. Um, that's that's definitely. Uh, a way you can help as well. So uh, I think that's it for today. And let, let's pray as we as we give um, this offering and then we'll welcome Pastor Tim up. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the resources that you have given us, Lord. And we, we just, we thank you. And we, we do that by giving back a little. We ask that you bless uh, the giver, the, the gifts, Lord, that you multiply them. Like the, the child with the, the fish and the loaves, Lord, that you multiply it more than we can imagine. Lord, apply it to the areas that need it the most, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much, TJ. And I am ready to preach. You guys ready to hear God's word? All right, come on. Come on. I need you to get your Bibles and your notes out and get ready to jot a few things down. Here's what I say. If you came here expecting God to speak to you, then what you need to do is write down the things he's saying to you because nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific. And so be ready to hear from God. Write a few things down. This is not a lecture. This is a time of listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. All right. There are two places I want you to turn in your Bible. Exodus chapter 34. Exodus 34 verse 1. We'll start there. And then later on, we're going to look at 1 Peter 4, 7. I have both of those on the screen so that you have time to look them up. Mark 1 Peter 4, 7, and then go back to uh, Exodus 34 and, uh, and get ready. Hey, just reminding you again about Faith Fest while you're looking up those scriptures. Please take more of these, these uh, flyers that are out there, as, as was mentioned just a few moments ago, and canvas, do everything that you can, get, get the word out into, into apartments and neighborhoods, wherever. And, and another thing is, again, regarding the volunteering, the way to, to let us know to volunteer is through the City Life app, or if you want to just take one of those little cards, this next card, write your name on it and just say, just write 
volunteer for Faith Fest, and someone will be right back in touch with you this week. We'll get you rolling on and prepared for that, okay? Well, today I'm going to be doing communion at the close of the service. Really, this whole message leads us to a point of communion. So if you're, if you're watching online, you're a part of the e-community, I'd want to encourage you to go ahead and just get some communion elements yourself and, and get something there from the house that, that will just be, a, that'll make it meaningful so you can participate in communion with the rest of us as we do this. All right, well, I'm in this series, and it's, it's a series that's on the character of God. Uh, it's, it's really who God is and how God revealed himself to mankind at the very beginning. And he revealed himself to Moses in a certain way. So this series is about really who God is. So each message in this series starts off with two words, God is, and then there's the next word that, that we have right there. But uh, what we learn from this is we learn not just who God is, because I don't want to just teach you about God. I want to introduce you to his characteristics and then what happens when we engage those characteristics in our lives when we begin to live this thing out because that's the ultimate goal of what God wants to do in our lives. Last week, you talked about compassion. God is compassionate. This week, it's God is gracious. God is gracious. In fact, last week, I provided a lot of background on the scripture that I'm about to read to you again today. This is the central scripture for this series of messages. And, uh, and so if you want more of the background on that, you can go back to that message and take a look at it. But, but this was the very first revelation of the character and the nature of God. Up to this point, people really didn't know much about God. There was no Bible, okay? There was, there was in fact, when, G, when Moses came down off the mountain with the Ten Commandments, that was the first part of the Bible, I guess you could say, that was ever there. And then Moses went on to write the books of, of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So, so there was no Bible, and, and God was working through Moses to reveal his character to them, so he taps into this. So... If you'll, if you'll look in Exodus chapter 34, verse 1, we're going to see a passage of Scripture where ultimately this is repeated over and over and over, and it's referenced to uh, throughout the Scriptures. Exodus 34, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, because he broke the first ones, he threw a fit, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Just a reminder, you broke them. <laughs> you got more work to do. He said, be ready in the morning, and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks or herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning. And the Lord had commanded him, as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. Okay, so he's announcing his name, the Lord. And then here's where the revelation happens. As he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, sin, rebellion, and sin. 
yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. And Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. So this revelation of the character of God caused him to worship. Now, I want you to think, go back just a little bit in, 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 in our own day. Let's go back about 20 minutes ago. We were singing, There is Power in the Name of Jesus. And the songs that we sing are not, again, just warm-ups. It's not warm-up time. But part, but part of it is to help us to remember the nature of God, which causes us to worship. Because we're singing that He breaks every chain. And that's what you begin realizing. That's part of what God wants to do in me. And we worship as a result. You understand that? So, so here's what was happening here. This was incredible. Uh, that Moses literally fell on his face and began to worship because this is the first time in the history of man that we now have a revelation of the character of God. And those words are supposed to shake up your world also. It's supposed to change your perspective on God and actually change the way that you live just like it did for Moses. So looking back at verse 6, we see the crux of today's message. It says, as he, God, passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God. Say gracious. Gracious God. I pray right now that you will bring great change to our lives. We won't take this just as information and data, but we will allow life change to happen over these next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what does it mean when we say God is gracious? Well, just I want to start a little bit broad here because really you have to understand his graciousness is something that he's done for all humanity. I mean, everyone. In order for people to grow and to prosper, he goes, just, he goes beyond just basically taking care, kind of ba- you know, barely taking care of people. He personalizes gifts. He personalizes uh, his goodness, his graciousness to every person on this world, whether you understand it or not, whether you, you can even realize it's happening or not. Think of it this way. Think of a child who lives at home. You've got, you have a, a three-year-old child. That child wakes up, and if you've had a three-year-old in the house, you know what I'm talking about. The child wakes up, the child wants to eat, and the child needs to do, wants to play, and the child needs attention. The child needs to have clothes put on. The ch- the, you have to protect the child. You have to watch over the child. You can't let the child go out and run out in the street. And, and all of these little things that you have to do to take care of them. Does that child recognize that, 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 that he or she is just blessed and, and, and being well taken care of. No, they don't realize that. That's why they get grouchy. That's like, I, I want me. No. Ugh. Because they don't realize the blessing that they have. <laughs> Any parents out there get that? Yeah. No. Yes. No. Yes. Uh, let's wrestle. Okay. Uh, no, you don't wrestle until you're like, it's boys and then upper ages. Trust me. All right. But. But that's what happens with God. God blesses through his graciousness. He's constantly doing things for us, whether we recognize it or not. And I'm telling you, the vast majority of the things that God is gracious with toward you, you don't see it, you don't recognize it, but God isn't going to let up anyway. He's going to keep doing it, just like a parent does for the child. The, the, the parent at the end of the day is not saying, well, that child didn't say thank you for your graciousness, parent, then tomorrow, that is it. Hope that child figures out a way to, you know, get, in, get out of the backyard or whatever. And see, that, you're not going to do that, right? Because that's how God treats us. We are his children. Pretty awesome, isn't it? But, and it goes beyond that. God takes care of the needs of humanity, even though people don't deserve it. Most people 
don't even deserve it. You know, sometimes you don't deserve it. See, this, this action, this word gracious, where it appears right here in Exodus chapter 14, this, I mean Exodus 34, this is the first place in the Bible that word is used. Now, just a little bit about understanding the, the language of the Bible, the Hebrew language. Whenever the first occurrence of a word happens, that, that really basically defines what that word's going to look like throughout the rest of the Bible. So the very first occurrence of the word gracious happens right there as God is describing himself. So Moses hears that, and that's just like, oh my goodness, that is who God is? I thought God was just going to be mean to people. <laughs> no, God is gracious. And, and that graciousness, I mean, it's just, it, it just, it's an extension of his favor and his mercy and, and his, it, it really, it just pleases him to do it. It just makes him happy. This is just what I do. It's, that's how I do it, and I enjoy it, really. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I want you to get this. He does this for all humanity. He does this. But he especially is gracious to those who follow him, his children, all right? So... I studied that word gracious, and that word gracious is the Hebrew term kanun, and kanun means to make favorable. It makes one favorable. In other words, God's saying, you're like, you're my favorite. <laughs> you're my favorite. It shows consideration. It, it gives special favor, special favor, special favor. You're a recipient of that. Come on, you're a recipient of that. But at the same time, truth be told, none of us deserve it, do we? None of us do. In fact, there's nothing you can even do to earn this special graciousness from God. You, you can't earn it. You can't, you can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't do a bunch of stuff to try to get more of that. At the same time, he's going to just keep reaching out. He's going to take care of you according to your need, what your needs are. He's going to take care of them. He's going to deal with you based out of his own goodness, his own generosity. It's just who he is. It's, it's not just something God does. It's his character. So, so when is God gracious? Well, God is gracious all the time. So, so please look at the vast expanse of this. He's gracious even when you're disobedient to him. God is gracious even when you sin. His character is to be gracious. And his graciousness extends this mercy to us all the way up to the very final, final moment of our lives. I was even thinking about my dad as I was writing this, this message. And I was thinking about the final moment of his life. And, and my, my dad, he had said this. He said, you know, when I die, I want to be at home with my family. Now, my gracious God... Worked a miracle for us because as my dad was near death in the hospital and they weren't going to let him out, we, had, we, we pulled strings. We did everything possible. It's just like we're going to get him home. Dad wants to die at home. Dad's coming home. Dad's coming home. Dad's coming home. And so all of the family, we were together with, with and, and working on this together and going and fighting and doing, you know, kind of like, almost not, I, didn't, I didn't do fists, but we, we found out just about every way we could do to fight this thing and get my dad out of that hospital. They said, no, 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 he's a COVID patient. You can't have him. Like, he's coming home. Sure enough, we worked it out to come home. He came home and brought him out on that ambulance, and they wheeled him into the house, had him all set up on his hospital bed in the house. And with the family all around him, my dad slipped into eternity 
right there with us present. Now, God didn't have to do that, but it's his nature to be gracious to us all the way to the very end. My dad's final wish was that. I mean, how beautiful is that? God cares. God, God cares. He's gracious all the time. And, and uh, he's gracious. Ultimately, he's gracious because he doesn't want people to go to hell. Uh, he created us as spirit beings. We are spirit beings. He created us so that we would spend eternity forever with him. And it's by God's grace that we get to partake of this thing called eternal life. God is gracious to us. He's gracious to us in his time of needs. He's gracious by giving us provision. But, but what I want us to understand is God has not just, God doesn't just do this graciousness thing just so we can enjoy it. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's there for us. But he wants us as his agents to emulate his grace. He calls you and me to be gracious as he is gracious. First part of the message was, yeah, so good and fun. Second part is, why, I have to do this too? No, you get to do this because this is what is liberating. This liberates believers. I tell you, way too many Christians are like, oh, I have to do this and I have to do that. I don't get to do this. I don't get to do that. My life is a little hard since I gave it to Jesus. No, it's not. Don't, you know, no, it's not. You get to be his agent of grace. You get to extend God to people who are in the culture. You, you are acting on behalf of God. That's, that's what being a Christian is. You ever been around Christians who just aren't very Christian? <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's like okay, okay. Well, well if, that's one, if you're here today and that's you, like you're a Christian, but you're not, you don't act like a Christian very much, this message is for you and for all the rest of us because everyone, everyone misses the mark on this one, but God still has grace toward us. So we're just going to keep being full of grace. See, when we are molded, our, our, our lives are molded into the image and likeness of Jesus this is the characteristic, one of the primary characteristics that we live out. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song at the end of church. We'd always sing it at the end of church. It said, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like him through all life's journey from pain to sorrow or something like that. I can't remember that line because it wasn't a fun line. But all I want is to be like him. And, and I, I, I loved singing that song, but it, it embedded it in my mind that one of my life goals is to be more and more like Jesus. Now, see, you're not going to be Jesus. You're not divine. You're not going to be God. But like him, that's our calling. I want to be molded into his character. He is gracious, so we are gracious. Now, I'm going to show you how it works. Look, uh, I have this, this for you on the screens. It's Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Uh, take a look at this. Here's how it works. It says, for the grace of God, there it is, grace, that's graciousness. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people, okay? So this is the first action. Everybody can get in on it. And then it says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And, uh, and so, in other words, once you have received God's grace from salvation, then the grace starts working different in your life. It teaches you. And then it goes on. We have to get to the last part of this. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this whole thing of grace is all about positioning us and the world to be ready for Jesus' return because he can and he will return at any moment. We don't know. 
No man knows the day nor the hour. Jesus will return. And when he comes, he's going to find looking for people who are grace-filled but grace emulators also. I want us to get this into our spirits today because so often we see the, the, the grace of God of only having one function. And, and the grace of God has this one function of, of yeah, extending grace to anybody who's sinned, therefore they can get into heaven, and they, they end the whole grace talk right there. And that's actually a very shallow uh, opinion, a very shallow uh, perspective of grace. That's the first action of grace. So grace, you know, God gives his grace to everybody on earth. I mean, he offers salvation to every person. Now, that's the first, and that, that's the most important, but that's the first, because without this, there's no hope for anyone. I mean, and, and when, it, when it says everyone, I say that God's graciousness offers salvation to everyone on earth. I mean everyone. No one is left out. Getting, getting into heaven, it's not about being good, or it's not about you, you know, or how, how good or how bad you've been in the past. For example, you can have the most generous, hospitable, kind, um, eco-friendly. I mean, you could drive a Prius for our, I mean, and you can be gentle and loving to pets and all that kind of stuff. But without the grace of God and salvation, you, all the good things in your life, they will do nothing for eternity. Do you understand that? Without engaging the God of grace, there is no hope for your life. That's truth. That's truth. Yet on the other hand, you can, you can be an adulterer, a murderer. You can be a thief and a corrupt business leader or a corrupt government official. You can be abusive to children. But if you engage God's grace through the cross, you're going to be saved and God will make you clean as if it never happened. That's why the blood of Jesus, that's why community, that's why, why the cross, that's why that is so important because that's where we engage the grace of God. See, up to this point, anyone in the world, we've just, everybody's been receiving a certain measure of the grace of God. But at some point, you've got to engage that grace, receive Christ into your life. See, the cross was the ultimate act of graciousness from Jesus toward you. And if you're here this morning and you're not in right relationship with Jesus Christ and you've not received that grace into your life, now, in fact, even right now is the opportunity to receive him. I'm not going any further until we pray. Would you guys just move, your, move yourselves into an attitude of prayer? Like, and if you're here this morning and you have not engaged the grace of God for salvation, I want you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior before I go one step further into this message because I want all of this message to apply to you. And if that's you, would you just at the count of three, when I count to three, lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Will you pray for me? I want Jesus in my life. I want to, I want to engage the cross, and I want to receive him today. I want to be able to take communion today. Would you just lift your hand so I can lock my faith with yours, and we'll pray together. One, two, three. Lift your hands up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Put your hands down. As you've lifted your hands, you've acknowledged that you want the grace of God to intersect with your life right now. I'm asking you to pray a prayer with me. And I'm, I'm asking everybody else in this room to pray with me as well as an encouragement to those who are making things right with God. Come on, pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the cross. Will you forgive my sin? Will you cleanse me from my unrighteousness? Make me clean as if I've never sinned. I choose to be a recipient of your grace and spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now that's the most important thing that can happen in this room. In fact, will you guys just applaud those who made that decision today? Yes, yes, yes. That right there is what this is about. All right, let's keep moving forward though because now this applies to everybody in the room. There's more. God's graciousness, according to Titus chapter two, it teaches us to live right. Like it said there, it says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So in other words, the grace of God now begins to change you. You don't have to be bound up to ungodliness anymore. You don't have to be a slave to addictions. You don't have to be a slave to your past. You don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. You don't have to be manipulated by, by these desires that you're ashamed of anymore. You can live self-controlled, upright, and godly regardless of what's happening in the culture around you, regardless of what even is happening in your home or your workplace, in the community, you can live this way. You can. That's the grace of God allows you to do that. So you see, Christians, we act different than the rest of the world. Why? Because God is gracious, and we have become gracious also. And again, it is a great way to live. It is. You'll go to bed at night going, uh-huh. That was a good day. And everything may have gone wrong in your day, but it's like, oh, that was a good day. Because you've exuded the grace of God. Okay, so, so really what we see here in Titus 2, now this is important. I see, I, I, as I was studying this, I found three intertwined topics. Three intertwined topics. God's graciousness, the way we live, how we begin to live out grace. But then there's a third thing, the return of Jesus Christ. And, and when these things are spoken of in the scriptures, you'll see these three things repeated over and over and over. All three are connected. You can't have one without the other two. They're all connected. So I'm teaching you a little, this is called theology. I want to teach you a little bit of this. You see, God's grace without life change does not make you ready for the return of Jesus. But you can be living right, again, taking care of your puppies and all that, without, but if you try to do it without God's grace, it's going to cause you to miss the return of Jesus Christ. And if you have the return of Jesus Christ without the grace of God in this world, without godly people living right, all the return of God is, the return of Jesus is just going to be judgment. So all three have to work together. And it's preparing us for that time. For that time when Jesus splits the clouds. I would love it if he did it right, right at the end of Faith Fest. That would be so cool. And then some people like are there doing selfies. and like, whoa, you know. Facebook Live, man, that would be so crazy. So God is gracious. Get this. God is gracious, so we have to give grace because Jesus is coming soon. That's the message. I want it to get, I want it to get into your head first, but that's what I want to drill it into your head here first, but, 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 I, but I really need for you to get it into your heart because you won't do anything different if it doesn't get into your heart. Now, I also ask you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Now, I want you to turn there now because this is the same thing it's spoken of. It's the same three, the same triad there that's spoken of again. And, and Paul talks about these three, excuse me, Peter talks about these three intertwined uh, topics yet again. Except he does something fun with it. He discusses them in reverse. He starts off with the return of Jesus and then goes all the way back to salvation. So, and, but, but I found this particular passage of Scripture deeply convicting. And I want you to join me on a, this little conviction journey because I want it to be convicting to you also, okay? First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. It starts with the return of Jesus. He says, the end of all things is near. 
Okay, that's what, that's what was referred to as the blessed hope in the book of Titus. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so you can pray. So, so understand this. Knowing that Jesus is coming soon is your motivation to get your act together. Uh, and, and he starts off by emphasizing prayer because prayer is what knocks, the, knocks down the boundaries in your life. Prayer is what delivers other people and helps other people. Prayer is what, is what it, it opens the door to amazing things that you can't even begin to understand until you engage it. So, uh, like tonight, we have prayer at 6. Why do we do that? Like, I can pray at home. Of course you can pray at home. But, but we, when we come together in a spirit of prayer, miracles happen. Yeah. Miracles. I, I've never come to a prayer meeting and left, well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> Should have been at home watching a show or, you know, playing my Xbox. And I don't even have an Xbox, but <laughs> I don't want an Xbox. All right. I don't. I really don't. I, I don't need that. I'm not better than anybody else. I just don't know how to play it. I can't do it, all right? It doesn't work for me, all right? So, so it goes on. He says, but above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. This, this is good because this is, the, this is the part that happens in us, okay? This is the change that happens in us as we're agents of grace. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, <clears throat> As faithful stewards of God's grace, which originally came through, the sal- through salvation in its various forms. So it's the same message that Paul said earlier, but it's a different way of saying it. Peter was ultimately saying this. Here it is. God is gracious. Thus, we must be agents of grace in these final days. Jesus is coming soon. The rest of the world, they're not going to be agents of grace. We have this, we have to live this way. We have to act this way. There is no choice for us, guys. And we are moving into a season where the dark and the light is going to be more and more and more contrasted. Well, the people of the world will be acting with less and less and less grace. They will, there will be hostility and judgment and attack. And, and that is, that's something we're seeing in the culture. You, you see it everywhere. I mean, you see it everywhere. May it not happen within the church. Instead, we must be the people of grace and let that light shine, not just in here, but in the community so that we're drawing people to Jesus. And this is beautiful. Okay, so this is all about us becoming more like Jesus as agents of grace. So let's get into these these very specific ways he listed here, and then we're going to do communion. Uh, First of all, Again, he's talking about how to use God's grace in its various forms. So I I want you to take notes on this. Make sure you get these five points down. How to use God's grace in its various forms. First Peter, I mean, yeah, he's going to give it to you. First Peter 4, 7 through 10, that's where this is. And and again, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will convict you. The Holy Spirit conviction based upon the Word of God. Holy Spirit talks to you through the Word of God and me preaching it. And it will change you. So write these down. So let, write these things down and let God speak to you right now. Here's the first challenge. Number one is be alert with a sober mind so you can pray with specificity. God wants you to be able to direct your prayers. The, the grace of God is going to cause you to, to begin to see the rest of the world through eyes of grace. A lot of times... Christians say, I don't know how to pray, or I don't know what to pray. Well, first of all, prayer is conversation with God. This is not a deep sermon on the topic of prayer, but prayer is simply conversation with God. But a lot of times, 
you don't know how to pray because you've not been viewing the world through eyes of grace. And then you see the great need. You see the, the challenges. You see the, 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 the problems. Or, or you can see where God's grace needs to intersect. And we, we need a miracle here. We need a miracle there. And then you can begin to pray with specificity. You'll have a sober mind in prayer. Then that's good. And it's, it's not talking about drugs and alcohol here. It's not, a sober mind things means simply you're going to be able to think clearly about where your prayers go. You're going to have this, this clarity of prayer. Because you've been experiencing and viewing this world through eyes of grace. And therefore, you know how to pray. You definitely know how to pray. When you begin doing this, your prayer life is going to change dramatically. Uh, your, your, your prayers have the power to shape what's happening in your world and in your sphere. Do you realize your, your prayers are now going to be led by the Spirit of God because you're seeing this world through eyes of grace and you're going to pray in ways you've never prayed before and greater miracles are going to start happening through you. Some of you, you've, you've, I heard you say, I want to be a conduit of miracles. It starts with this thing of grace, living out grace and learning how to pray with grace. And then all of a sudden, boom, miracles start happening because you're praying with that sober mind. See, the grace-filled mind does not pray prayers to condemn or to put other people down. Oh, God, why don't you get them? God, 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 just, just judge them. Like, oh, come on. Then all of a sudden, you don't have the grace of God, all right? <laughs> a long time ago, when I was a kid, I remember, I remember we, we had this time where people would stand up and, and pray, pray out loud in the service, and, and uh, it was just a tradition that we had, and this person stood up and prayed that God would get somebody and all that, and my dad had to do it. I loved it. My dad cracks us. No, no, we're not, not going to pray that way. We bless people with our prayers. Somebody bugging you, start blessing them. Start blessing them. Start blessing them. Start praying for God to bless them, for God to overwhelm them. Here's the second challenge. Yeah, just don't forget. Here's the easy way to say it. Bless those who persecute you. All right, Jesus taught that. Here's the second thing to do. Love other believers deeply. Now, that's, he's actually talking about loving other believers here, which is, which is very important because we're supposed to love each other as family. Now, I believe that if you can't love other believers deeply, it's likely that you've not fully embraced the grace of God in your own life. I really believe that because what happens if you've not fully embraced the grace of God in your own life, you are going to feel unworthy. You're going to feel not good enough. You're going to be thinking about your own shortcomings because, because the grace of God hasn't been able to complete its work in you because you're, you're judging yourself. Do you know that most people who are judgmental, they're actually judging themselves? It's, it's a, it comes from self-criticism. So break that in Jesus' name and watch what happens. You're going to be able to love other believers deeply. He did, not just shallow, not just shallow love. Not like, oh, I love you. Good to see you. <laughs> yeah, bye. Now that's not love. That, that's, that's not even, that's, that's like a fake greeting, okay? But I'm talking about loving other believers deeply. And, and this is a foundation for what we do as Christians. And this love is not a warm, fuzzy feeling at all. Because sometimes you have to love when you don't like. Yeah! Do you know that? The Bible does not say like everyone. Thank God. So, all of us are off the hook on that one. But love, yes. Love, yes. What, what does it mean? I mean? 1 Corinthians 13 goes into the details, but, but it just means that you're going to believe the best about other people. You're going to be patient. You're going to protect. You're going to trust. You're going to hope. You're going to persevere with and for that other person. Love other believers deeply. And this love is unconditional. 
It's not like I will love them if they, no, no, that's not it. See, the culture of the world is all about conditions. Well, if this happens, see, the, the culture of the world is about, about contracts, and that's not what the love of God is. It's not contractual. It's not conditional. So you experience God's grace, and it flows through you in the form of deep love, especially toward other believers. How's the conviction of God working in the room right now? Is it doing good? Okay, God's doing his part. All right. Third challenge is to cover the sins of others. Cover the sins of others. That's what the scripture says. Now, this is a big one because our culture says you are supposed to expose the sins of other people and put them all out there. Now, please understand, I'm not saying ignore. Ignoring is not what I'm saying. But using the same grace that God gave to you, what you do is you deal redemptively with the sin and the lives of other people, recognizing that you have received grace, so you give grace. Again, another beautiful picture of this is a healthy home. If you have a healthy home and, and, and your child sins, let's, let's go back to that little three-year-old child who just thinks that the world was just created for them and that's just the way it is. And, and like I was when I was three, I vividly remember my deep sin. My, my deep sin was I, I, I would wait till my mom was taking a nap and when I was supposed to be taking a nap and I would sneak out and I would get a stool and I would get into this. We had a cookie jar. Like, like the old-fashioned days. I mean, it was the old-fashioned days. My mom had a cookie jar. I knew where the cookies were. And so it's like I'd go get a cookie, go home, eat it, sit down. I, was, I remember I would sit down on the floor in the kitchen, eat my cookie, and then try to get back in bed before getting caught. And, and mom never caught me. Those are my evil, wicked sins. But what if my sin of theft and disobedience to my mother, what if my mother said, that's it, I'm done with you. I've had it with you. Hit the road. Go, go down the street and live with the scary people down the road, you know. <laughs> you see, what sin does is, is if we are not able to cover sin, if we're not able to cover sin with grace, then what that does, that leads to bitterness in our own hearts. Uh, resentment, and, and then it causes a breakdown of every kind of relationship because we can't forgive when we're not, when we, we, we can't forgive it unless we've covered the sin of the other person. And again, your goal is never to shame, your goal is never to isolate or betray or to put down the other person, but to love and support them and lead them and help them. For, uh, Matthew chapter 18 actually gives an outline of exactly how to handle that. But imagine if believers actually did this with one another. Love covers a multitude of sins, and it's beautiful. Here's the fourth challenge. Fourth of the five. How's God's conviction doing? Is it doing good? All right. Be, <laughs> here's the next one. Be hospitable without grouchiness. <laughs> that's, that's really what he's saying. Be hospitable without grouchiness. Now, I know it, it's easy to say it this way. Well, uh, that means we need to invite people over to our house. And sure, that, that's, that's practicing hospitality. I, I'm, I'm all into that. Uh, invite, but you should invite people to your home. Let, invite people. It's, it's, it's not just sharing a meal or sharing a home. It's inviting people into your space. Let's talk about that. More, more simply put, really, what I believe Peter's saying here is you should let people into your space and treat them like long-lost friends with a smile. Let them get into your space. Just let them. And, it's, and, and when they do invade your space, then you bless them. You find a way to bless. Uh, for example, here's something that happened with, with me and Adrian the other night. Uh, we were up here 
was it Friday night, waiting on a delivery. The delivery person comes, and so happy, we meet the delivery person outdoors, and carrying the stuff in, and then right after that, it's, a, this person, of course, they're in a rush, they've got to, they've got to do their job and get everything delivered, but so before you leave, real quick, tell me one thing I can pray for, and the person, the lady went, well, I said, just, it's easy, just one thing, just one thing I can pray for, so she opened up, and she said what to pray for, so just did a spirit Based prayer, you know, we didn't have to like hug each other or didn't even have to anoint it with oil or anything like that. I mean, it's a stranger. I'm not going to, well, I don't know how that works. We're going to pray for you though. And so, praying, praying, praying for the lady, a quick 30 second prayer maybe. And then after that, she just opened up and she just told the whole story of what's going on. And she let her guard down. She got into our space. We got into her space. We loved her. I'll probably, ne- I may never see that person again, but we got into each other's space. You see, that's what I'm talking about, guys. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like, okay, d- don't take this wrong, but some of you need to trash the six-foot rule. You guys know what the six-foot rule is all of You know what it is. Yeah. Some of you need to trash that rule and let people into your space. Let people into your space and don't be grumpy about it. Don't be grumpy about it. Uh, six feet away. You know, that, what is that all about? Stop. Just stop. Be hospitable. Let people into your space without griping about it. Okay, you see how practical this works? That's great. That's great. You got into my space. Great. I'm going to bless you since you're close. Woo. Yeah, good. Fifth challenge. Here is the final challenge. Let's get this and we're going to have communion. Use your spiritual gifts to serve one another. Okay, you know you have spiritual gifts. Do you know what they are? Then use them to serve other people. And God gave you that gift so that you can share it with others. So it's not a gift for you to have happily on your own. No, it's a gift for you to share with other people. And, and so, so just do these five things. You know, and, and my question is, where did God convict you over these five things? Is, is it be alert with a sober mind so you can pray with specificity? Is it love others deeply, other believers deeply? Is it to cover the sins of others? Is it to be hospitable without grouchiness, no six-foot rules? Or are you to use your spiritual gifts to serve one another? What is it that God just spoke to you and convicted you about. Now that's what you need to act on. Jesus died not only to forgive your sins and and so that you could go to heaven, but for you to be an agent of grace in this world because he is coming soon. God is gracious. God is gracious. So we must give grace because Jesus is coming soon. I don't know when he's going to return, but I do believe, I believe with all my heart he's coming soon. I just, I can feel it. I can sense it. And if we're not giving grace, then you might need to get more grace so that you can give more grace. How do we do that? We go back to the cross. Do you realize that Jesus, this whole thing's all connected. Before Jesus left this earth, he, he instituted communion, but he said, I want you to do this, and I want you to do this regularly so that, and, and you're not supposed, and I don't want you to quit doing this until we do it together in heaven, all right? So the return of Jesus is connected with us doing communion. Why do we do communion? Well, it's just some little thing you do. You just do some juice and that, and you know, it's like that. No, it's not. I mean, that's, don't do that. It is a powerful, powerful expression of God's grace to us. And we do communion so we will never forget the ultimate price that was paid for grace. And if Jesus was willing to do that for us, we can let other people in our
space. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.